It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. It is episode 41. I'm Kyle Faulkner, joined as always by my co host, Jeff Faulkner. And, Jeff, how are you doing? I, you know what? I heard a saying this week and I loved it so much. It said, if any better, and I couldn't live with myself. Uh, I'm doing great, man. You know, we were talking about it before. We went on air here. Um, we kind of made it through the, the quiet, slow part of the offseason. The draft is behind us now. We've got so much to talk about in this episode. And, uh, you know, now I'm really jacked up for the next season of the NFL. How about you? Oh, absolutely, man. I, uh, I'm i almost I'm almost feeling a little anxious because we've got so much. And all of a sudden, the NFL draft is over. Teams are kind of, you know, the writing's in the sand a little bit. And uh, we're seeing what the league is going to look like. You know, obviously, there's some big uh, potential changes, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But uh, we're kind of getting an idea of the shape of the divisions, the shape of the league, and who's who's going to look a little better and who might look a little more worser. Uh, but it was it was awesome. What did you think of the draft last weekend? Well, I mean, we're going to cover it lots in this episode. But before we get into like the you know the meat and potatoes, I just I want to mention this because I loved it so much, man. I really, really love seeing the players at home surrounded by their people when they get the call. And, you know, I prefer it way more than seeing uh, Roger Goodell give him a hug on the stage. I know it's a big spectacle and a big event for the NFL, but I think this, uh, you know, this might be a, a kind of a blessing in disguise. Seven, uh, you know, everybody almost forced to stay home during COVID the last two drafts and, and seeing them, you know, sit on the couch surrounded by loved ones and the reactions and just support it's it's pretty awesome to see and uh you know we also got some really cool footage this year from war rooms like i don't know if you saw the video of the um uh the broncos gm he was on a phone and they said hold on i gotta take another call they're gonna offer me more and he hangs up on the guy and grabs another phone call like we got some pretty cool footage this year that uh, we don't typically get yeah for sure i i actually if i'm being totally honest the the whole draft experience i actually kind of liked last year a little more where everybody had to be at home, Roger Goodell sitting in his basement, um, the picks coming in and then and then just cutting to the cameras. Like, I, I'm with you 100%. Just today I watched um, a little video clip of uh, Micah Parsons, the linebacker that Dallas took with their first-round pick. And uh, he's sitting there, you know, surrounded by friends and family. And I guess for him, his his dream since he was a kid was to play for the Dallas Cowboys and he knew that it was a possibility and but he's just sitting there and he's saying like I don't know what's going to happen but if it's the Cowboys I'm going to cry and then the phone rings uh, and it's Jerry Jones saying you know what we want to we want to bring you in we just sent your card in how do you feel about that and and it's just so cool to see exactly what you said not you know, the guys walking across the stage, that's exciting and, and meeting the commissioner, whatever. But to be surrounded by all the people that have been with you through your whole journey as a player um, and to see kind of that that childhood dream come true was pretty special. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sorry. I just got a little distracted. Episode number 41 here. Uh, you know, we've talked about the jersey numbers all the way. Well, not all the way, but we've been doing it the last few episodes and uh, we're going to do it again here. So number 41, which jersey would you rock, Kyle? We got... Dirk Nowitzki, Alvin Kamara, uh, an all-time great uh, New York Met Tom Seaver, Pat Hankin, who won a Cy Young with the Toronto Blue Jays, Aaron Sanchez, who I thought was going to win a Cy Young with the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, Yaroslav Halak, who uh, you know he had played for both the Canadians and I think he went to St. Louis, I believe, and then uh, Mike Smith, who sounds like a made-up name. Which one would you go with, buddy? <laughs> 
Uh, well, both of those goalies, they're actually doing pretty well still. Yeah, Halak, he's with the Bruins right now, and he's been carrying a lot of the load. And Mike Smith, he's been hotter than a $2 pistol these last couple months. He's like the hottest goalie in the NHL just about. But, uh, you know, for myself, it kind of came down to three names on this list. Uh, obviously, Dirk Nowitzki, legendary uh, European-born basketball player, like the best probably non-American uh, I think I would be tempted to go with with Seaver with the throwback. I like the throwback jerseys. It I, I like Camara. I'd be happy. I'd be happy to have a Camara jersey. But uh, you know, I'm not a big Saints guy. I don't think I'd wear it. I'd hang it up on the wall. But but a Tom Seaver, I'd be happy to throw that on. What about you? That's a pretty sweet jersey. I think you know what. I got to go with the Blue Jay. I thought about. Well, which know, like one? Said, Pat Hankins, my guy, for sure. <laughs> I mean, Aaron Sanchez, man, I crushed hard on him. I thought he was the next Roy Halladay. And, you know, the year he led the league in ERA, I thought, all right, this is our next ace. And it just fell apart and fingernails and Scott Boris. Anyways, oh. I think, uh, yeah, I'm going with the Pat Hankins jersey. Um, I love basketball, but I, I can't stand Dirk Nowitzki. I don't know why. I, I think I do know why. I think it's because I'm such a LeBron James fan and, mm. you know, they stole that championship from uh, Miami and, and that would put, you know, LeBron that much closer to Le, uh, Michael Jordan all the time. So not to spend too much time on this, I'm going with Pat Hankin and Cy Young here. All right. Well, we got a lot to get to, like you said, and I'm I'm saying it already. We're only a few minutes into the show. I'm already apologizing because we are definitely going to be going over our, uh, our allotted time <laughs> slot here. But, uh, you know, we can't get to the end if we don't start off, right? So let's get to the opening kickoff. Opening kickoff. So we talked about it last week when uh, Marty was on the show for our draft special. Uh, the Bears, they they kind of shocked the world. They kind of went off script. Um, I don't think anybody saw them trading up so big for a quarterback after they had picked up Andy Dalton, but uh, they did. They moved up nine spots, I believe, to draft Justin Fields, and he is the future of their franchise. Um, however, they did come out. You know, I'm sure Andy Dalton dropped his uh, his Bud Light Lime when he saw that pick come in. Um, but the GM came out and said, you know, Dalton is still our starter. Dalton's still the guy right now. So I want to know what you think. I've been thinking about this for a few days. Are they going to, you know, do the more traditional thing and let their rookie sit behind a veteran, a guy who's been a starter for a long time? Or if there's a couple rocky weeks, does, uh, does Andy Dalton end up on the shelf? So my question for you is who is going to have more starts for the Chicago bears this year, Dalton or fields? Uh, I think it's Justin Fields. Um, you know, it's, it's more than just Andy Dalton and let Justin Fields develop. You know, there's, we've talked about it a few times. We feel like Matt Nagy, I do anyways, I feel like Matt Nagy's on a hot seat already and, Sure, the GM uh, had a nice draft here and made a big trade. That's you know a sexy trade is getting a new quarterback potentially the franchise QB. So it feels like Pace and Nagy kind of were on the hot seat, and this is could be the last desperation move for both of them. So I don't think that Matt Nagy specifically has the leash to to wait. So if Danny Dalton gets off to a slow start, he's going to have to pull the trigger to keep his job kind of thing. So I'm going with Fields, and you know I think that he's more talented as well. So I think that he's going to force the hand, and um, yeah, that's my pick. How about you? Yeah, I'm with you. I I did I did think a little bit about if he had enough leash, 
would they just let Dalton play the whole season to kind of almost buy themselves an extra year? Like to say, you know, okay, we're doing this the smart way. We're going to let Fields get acclimatized so that he's a star when he comes in next season and that buys them another year, another year of trades, another year of drafting um, to see what they can put together. But I'm with you. I don't think they have enough. I don't think they have enough leeway. I think that uh, I could see Dalton being the week one starter, but I think if it's not a great first couple of weeks, uh, the fans, the the head office, and ultimately ownership is going to be saying, you know what, we just paid up to get this guy. Let's show people why. So yeah, I've got I've got Justin Fields as uh, as the closer to full time starter this year. Well, to piggyback on that, out of the three, uh, you know, we had Wilson and um, Lawrence go one, two. Um, but other the other three quarterbacks are taken in the first round. We had Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. Which one of those three do you think starts first this season? Well, <laughs> this is a tricky one. Honestly, like all three of them have someone ahead of them. I would say as it stands right now, I honestly think that Mac Jones has the best opportunity to start first. Um, just because, you know, he's the kind of quarterback that Belichick wants under center. He's responsible. He makes accurate throws and follows a game plan. Um, but there's so much talk coming out of San Francisco that Jimmy G might be gone, um, that that could catapult Lance. So I, I'll, I'll say with a little star beside it, Mac Jones, but obviously, uh, that will change in about half a second if Jimmy G happens to go elsewhere it'll be trey lance all day yeah i think i think i'm going with fields actually i think Ooh. uh i think yeah i think he's gonna force in and and uh, it'll be week two or three if and you know i mean maybe one of the other guys starts week one but i think it's gonna be fields oh we well no i'm not gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i knew you oh man yeah this it's it's too early in the show to get into that all right. Well, we've uh, we've had a lot shuffling around and and a couple of bombshells since the uh, since the draft wrapped up. We're not going to go through the the next six rounds of the draft, but uh, we are going to get to the important fantasy football news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for fantasy football news. Oh man, Jeff, we started off this season with, I think, two different quarterback sagas, and now we're on to a third one, a third star quarterback. The Aaron Rodgers soap opera is just ongoing. So right now, where we're at is he's he's insisting he's not coming back. The Packers GM is insisting they won't trade him and that it's all gonna work out and they're, you know, they're in talks. Now Rodgers is saying that, you know, well, maybe I'll sit out a year or maybe I'll just retire. And I thought it was interesting, Coach LaFleur, he actually kind of seemed to side with Rodgers, which I guess is the smart thing to do because he's the coach and that's your quarterback. But he he came out and said, you know, I can't picture the team without him. I, I want him to be here. So without without really saying I don't agree with the GM, he kind of said I don't agree with the GM. But, uh, yeah, there's lots going on. Oh man, and it was like stuff came out today too. It's apparently he's been telling Aaron Rodgers has been telling free agents not to sign in Green Bay because he won't be there next year. And 
And, you know, there's tampering allegations with the Broncos and with the um, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, there's a group chat. There's a report that came out today that a group chat, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is involved with teammates. He's jokingly calling uh, the GM uh, Gutenkunst. Is that his name? Gutenkunst? Yeah. Guten- Anyways, uh, he's joking. He's calling him Jerry Krause, who is, you know, the infamous G- Chicago Bulls GM who dismantled the dynasty. And, you know, I, I read a report that basically said the last draw for Rodgers was when the team released Jake Kumaro, uh, wide receiver. And, uh, yeah, man, I just seems like all signs are pointing to the, the current and reigning MVP switching teams. Um, even Devontae Adams, he was on social media. He posted a picture of a goat who's, like, hanging off the edge of a cliff, and he captioned it with, appreciate what you got while you got it. So, um, yeah, man, it's quite the story and quite the scene. And uh, Broncos, I don't think I mentioned that a while ago. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you did. You're you're the new newsbreaker. Um, yeah, well, I didn't even know what to make of it when Adams tweeted that out. Like, I didn't know if he was, you know, saying to the team that they're blowing it by letting this get to a head with Rodgers. I didn't know if he was directing that at Rodgers, who's, you know, I guess in fairness, like one of the big problems he's had is their, their refusal to draft skill players to surround him with, you know, a team full of weapons. But at the same time, like he does have a great backfield behind him of running backs and he does have, you know, the best wide receiver in the league. Like he was the MVP this year also because Devontae Adams was ridiculous as a wide receiver. So I didn't know if Adams was maybe sending that to Rodgers to appreciate what he had. Um, or maybe oh. he was sending, or maybe he was sending it to the Packers saying, you know what, I might be out of here pretty quickly too. Cause I don't, I don't want, uh, the new guy throwing me the ball. So man, how much, you know, two or three years from now, how much would you pay, for a documentary series like The Last Dance about Green Bay from 2020 to 2022. Oh, it's just wild, though. Like, you look back, you know, I loved Brett Favre, you know, whatever this was, 20 years ago, and just the way it ended with him, and and now they're doing it all over again, but it seems even, like, uglier. I don't know. Yeah, I would love to watch that for sure. And, yeah, man, like, so I'm watching the draft, obviously, and we're going to get into this, but... The first round goes by. I'm talking to my buddy who's a Packers fan over text, and we're both like, this pick is kind of crucial. It feels like the Packers can, you know, show Aaron Rodgers that, okay, we want to keep you here. We 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 hear you, and we, you know, even if we don't believe in what you think our needs are, let's just you know, throw him a bone. And they go and take a cornerback. And as soon as he said, or the you know, Goodell <laughs> said the the name, I wrote my buddy. I wrote he gone. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be crazy to see what happens for sure. Oh man. Well, we had some more news today uh, to do with another superstar in the league. Uh, Peter King from NBC, he reported that there's a 50-50 chance, he thinks, that Julio Jones is going to be traded this summer. Uh, man, that is a great way to break news because you are, doesn't matter what happens, you are half right. Like, yeah. if he doesn't get traded, you're like, oh, I said it was 50-50. Uh, but uh, the reason why in June, like we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think the the benefit to the Falcons is if they if they move Julio after the start of June, they have the opportunity to split his cap hit over two seasons instead of just one. Um, so it would help them out quite a bit with the cap, and and the Falcons are in trouble. Like it is that is a legit reason. I don't think it's that they don't believe in Julio. It's that they've got other weapons and. They need to free up some money, and that's a that's a spot where they could. And and he's a guy who's struggled with injury, 
So what do you think? If Julio's gone, if it's just Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage, how high does Kyle Pitts' ceiling go as a rookie tight end? Well, it's interesting. As far as his rookie season, I don't know if this would help or hurt him. I mean, having Julio and Ridley running up the sidelines and opening everything up for you it can only you know, help you as far as getting open. But I think if, if Julio leaves, I think even though he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, I think Pitts would have you know double-digit touchdowns. Um, I don't know about Russell Gage. If I don't know about who would step up there, and you know we saw Matt Ryan struggle when Julio was out last year. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the other part of the Julio Jones potential trade thing is like he still has value, right? It's only going to go down from here. So I can see mm-hmm. why Atlanta would want to capitalize on that. But um, yeah, Kyle Pitts is already super intriguing, and if number eleven's not running up the sideline beside him, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if that helps him or hurts him. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I um, I I think in his benefit and for the benefit of the whole team, obviously being able to sp- spread defenses out with those three elite weapons, like you're going to have somebody open, right? Like for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's tough to say. It's really interesting to see what happens because wherever Julio goes, if he goes somewhere, uh, you know that receiver core is gonna improve huge. Um, yeah, they will. So, yeah. yeah, if he can stay healthy. Well, if he goes to Chicago, their new receiver that they just signed will be out of work. Uh, Demir Bird signed a one-year deal with Chicago. Uh, you could see some pass volume snaps there. It could be an increase for him, but uh, something to monitor. I mean, we got a new quarterback situation in Chicago as well. Uh, we had some fifth-year options picked up with uh, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. All of the quarterbacks had their fifth-year options picked up, which was uh, no surprise. And um, yeah, Det- Detroit Lions have waved running back carry on Johnson. So, you know, um, you got some thoughts and prayers or maybe you should have done this one. You, you have a little <laughs> more inside information than I do. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I just, I wrote in the notes here. Uh, one of the, one of the football podcasts that I like listening to the fantasy footballers, uh, one of their hosts, Jason Moore, he was beating the drum real hard when carry on Johnson came in as a rookie and even doubled down going into his second year. And this is a bit of a this is a bit of a cautionary tale, I guess, to people. You know, we get reminded of this every year, but um, like Johnson, he's only been in the league for a few years. He came in; he was a highly touted running back. It was the answer to Detroit's problems. They were they had their guy. He was going to be a three down back. You know, everybody's saying, "Oh, since Barry, we haven't had a running back like this," and he he gone. He's out of there, man. Like it's they moved on pretty quick. They they invested in Swift last year, and he seems to be the real deal. But uh, yeah, Jason Moore, I, I enjoy his takes. His analysis is great. His uh, forecasting is great. But swing and a miss on this one. So thoughts and prayers to him because I'm sure this is a tough day for him. Oh man, I'm, what do you think? Carriano catch on somewhere else? I think he'll get a role somewhere, but he's gonna have to you know injuries or or really outperform somebody to be fantasy relevant again. Yeah, the Argonauts, maybe. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Bears say Andy Dalton is their starter. Patriots say Cam Newton is still their starter. I really don't care. It's May, and they're they're talking about that. But uh, that shows that there's going to be quarterback battles in both uh, locker rooms, as far as I'm concerned. Well, and it's interesting because you know what? Both of those guys might have a little a little left in the tank, and uh, you know we say it all the time. There are lots of teams out there that don't really have a quality starting quarterback. Um, so, you know, Dalton, he's moved around. He went from Cincy to Dallas and now to Chicago, and we could see him move to a new home next year or even this year. 
And, uh, you know, Cam Newton, he he was on a mission to prove that he could still do it, and I don't know if he's going to get much of a chance now. So, yeah, we'll see. What did Whammer call him last week? Ace Boogie? I Ace like that. Boogie. Ace Boogie. Where's Ace Boogie going to play, I wonder? Um, <clears throat> well, speaking of Cincinnati, uh, the Bengals came out this week, and this is actually, you know, it's coach speak, so take it for what it is, but it's pretty exciting if you're a Joe Mixon owner. The plan for Joe Mixon is he won't leave the field this season. Sounds like he's healthy, sounds like he's ready to go, and Gio Bernard is gone, so that could mean a lot more passing work, and Mixon could really show off as the three-down back that people have thought he could be. Yeah, I love Mixon as a talent, and uh, obviously the the team was in transition the last couple of years. He's battled health issues, but when he is on the field, he's dynamic in both running and passing. And uh, if Burrow's playing, that offense is going to be something to watch this year. No doubt. Uh, Chiefs signed running back Jarek McKinnon as a compliment to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so uh, another running back in the Kansas City Chiefs room. And McKinnon's shown flashes in the past, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know what his role will be there, but something to monitor on that explosive offense that doesn't really run. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, it worries me a tiny bit just because the the slice of the pie for the running backs is already not great on that team. And, uh, you know, McKinnon, other than his injury-riddled time in San Francisco, like, he was, a, he was an okay backup when Peterson was in Minnesota. He kind of showed what he could do. Um when Dalvin Cook was went down and he took over for the rest of the season and that's what got him his deal like he went to San Francisco to be the guy and then just ended up being the hurt guy all the time but uh yeah this could I don't know this could chisel away a little bit at at what was already um you know a limited ceiling for Edwards Alaire but who knows it's pretty early to be talking about that um, you know, we've got some, we talked about it a little bit already. We've got some veteran quarterbacks that are, you know, they're saying all the right things. They're doing all the nice things. Jimmy Garoppolo reached out right away after the draft pick and said to Trey Lance, you know, welcome to the team. And he's supportive and he's willing to mentor him. Tom Brady says he's happy to be a role model, uh, for the second round quarterback that the Bucks took Kyle Trask. Now his situation's a little bit different, I guess, cause Brady obviously is, you know, at the end of his career, and he's going to be the starter till he doesn't want to be anymore. So he's not threatened, I'm sure, by the Bucks taking their future quarterback. But he's happy to show him the ropes. And uh, Kirk Cousins, same thing. He's going to stay the starter in uh, in Minnesota. But they drafted Kellen Mond, and and he sounds like the guy that they're going to go with in the next year or two. So all three of them saying the right things, and I'm sure all three of them are uh, secretly hoping for training camp injuries to their backups. <laughs> well, yeah, no kidding. I mean, we'll talk about Cousins later, but, yeah, it's something to watch in all those uh, scenarios. I mean, Brady, like you said, stay until he's done. Um, another quarterback uh, situation to watch is uh, Denver. Vic Fangio says Teddy Bridgewater, Andrew Locker in competition for the starting spot. And, you know, all the rumors we've been talking about with Aaron Rodgers, assuming he goes there, is there a more exciting camp battle than what would be the three-way battle for Denver's starting quarterback between Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, and Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> Yeah, that would be uh, that would be like Mike Tyson taking on the Girl Scouts boxing club. So I mean, I don't want to spend. I got Jerry Judy on my roster. I'm not super excited about him with Teddy Bridgewater. I'm more excited about him with Bridgewater than with Locke. But if Aaron Rodgers goes there, holy jumping catfish! Well, that yeah, that's the thing. Like it's you know obviously any team would benefit, but that's a team that. Uh, with the defensive pieces they have and what they just invested in the draft um, and some of the offensive weapons, like they are 
instant contender. Like, instant yep. contender. Yeah, they are. Oh, boy. Uh, let's get it. Yeah, you know, we covered the news, and we got so much more to talk about. We we talked to our friends. We talked to listeners. We have questions. We got winners, losers from the draft. But before we get into that, let's cover the Falcon Maniacs fan zone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome to the Falcomaniacs Fan Zone. <laughs> I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Now, you know, as you know, we are all about the listeners on this show. We are all about the Falcomaniacs and... Uh, we done goofed last week, Jeff. We we accidentally did a couple of our most loyal listeners dirty. We uh, you'll remember we asked for some early breakout players. We asked people to text us, email us, whatever. And uh, two of our regular contributors, and both of them are Lions fans. This is what makes it extra bad. These guys have suffered enough. They don't need to be. They get let down by their team every weekend. They don't need to be let down by us. Um, but, uh, yeah, they answered our question and then both of them somehow got left out of the show doc. So we're going to make it up to them real quick here. Uh, Tyler, he wrote in and I liked his pick for an early breakout. He said, Michael Pittman, Colts wide receiver, Michael Pittman jr. Um, you know, what was he worth in our league? $2 a fab, I think first round pick and $2 a fab, but, uh, Yeah, now he's got Carson Wentz passing the ball, so Tyler liked him as a breakout, and Steve he went with a you know kind of a t-ball one. Maybe that's why I left it out. But uh, DeAndre Swift, he's in for a big year with the Lions. Um, so yeah, apologies, fellas. Hopefully you're hopefully you tuned in again this week and you're listening. But uh, yeah, we'll try not to try not to make it a habit. It must have been our it must have been our producer, right, Jeff? That. Uh, it that, was. That he's a, he's a big Bears fan, and uh, yeah, anything Lions, he kind of puts it to the bottom of the pile. So we do apologize, guys. It won't happen again. Yeah. Now, uh, last week we asked everybody to wait till the end of the draft and then to write in and give us your totally biased, your homer, like home team, only the most skewed opinions about your favorite team's draft and i was i was pumped to hear back from from some of these listeners so here's what some of the responses we got uh let's start off with a lions fan here we had bedner he was an instant reactor after the first couple rounds he said the lions went heavy on the guys that are gonna smash in the mouth what's a skill position we only eat kneecaps in detroit but uh, he did follow it up later. He said, we didn't do anything pretty, but I like the core pieces they got. Building from the lines out, Sewell could have been the number one overall if the quarterbacks didn't declare early. Um, and I, I agree a bit. Like, they're, they're building their team the right way. Not exciting, but, uh, but smart. And, uh, kneecaps. Yeah, kneecaps. Eating kneecaps. Uh, Christian said the Giants had a great draft. Obviously, they wanted Smith, and when they didn't get him, they got some draft capital and still a good wide receiver. And then they made another trade in round two and still got their guy. He was there for a while on their radar at number 11, and he fell to them at number 50. So, yeah, the Giants had a had another good draft this year. I think year. that's Tony. He's talking about the receiver. Tony, I think, is... Yeah, he's, he's, uh, yeah, he's a speedster. Um I think he's going to be a good compliment, a good piece for my my LOEG quarterback. Uh, I forgot to put that in there. <laughs> uh, Drew, he uh, he kept it short and sweet. He said the Bills played it smart, nothing that wasn't expected, and overall I'd grade them a B plus. 
Uh, and Reed, you know, big Vikings fan, he said he's happy with the draft. They needed to improve their O-line, and they did that. They got the third best tackle in the draft, and they were able to trade down to get him. I don't know a lot about O-line play, but I do listen to a podcast where the host is a former O-lineman, so I assume I know more than most. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Also, uh, they could have gotten their QB of the future, and also they drafted other positions of need. So overall, he gave his team an A. There you go. He's happy. I like it. Uh, DR was not. He said, I hated round one with Parsons. Looks like he's a Cowboys fan. Uh, until they grabbed Cox at 115 overall, which was a steal. Obviously, he, feel, he, feel, he feels obviously Jalen uh, Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch are all but gone now. I think maybe Van Der Esch. Um, he felt yeah. the Cowboys were always one, in, one to two picks behind. Round one would have been, he would have loved to see Horn or Sertain. Uh, both were picked two picks before. Then they could have picked Moring or Holland in the second. Again, snitched or snatched right before they had a chance. Um, so I th- he feels like they panicked a bit. He said, all in all, uh, not bad. Eight out of 11 picks for defense, which was good. I'd give them a C plus mostly because of unluckiness. You know, I loved what the Cowboys did, to be honest. I thought focusing on defense, I love what their offense has, built, uh, has been built like. And uh, I think the defense was obviously a need. And I love Micah Parsons. So I'm surprised that the Cowboys fan isn't thrilled with that pick. Um yeah, that's interesting. And it was curious to see the Cowboys trade with a division rival, too, uh, with the Eagles. Yeah. Allow them to trade up to get their receiver. That probably upset him a bit. Now, I will say, in DR's defense, we were texting today, and he said he's he's a little more in on Parsons now. He's had a chance to watch some of the highlights and, and get a feel for him as a player, so he's a little more excited about that pick, but... Yeah, I was I was I always loved to see where the first middle linebackers taken. It's one of my favorite positions, maybe my favorite position on the field, so I kind of follow that every year and uh, yeah, I think they got a good one. Uh Steve Henning, overall I'm happy with Detroit's draft for the fact that they addressed some big needs and they got better value at the draft spots they had. However, I still don't understand when you don't have a real quarterback and you have the option to draft a possible stud at QB how you do not pull the trigger. I'm sure Walzak will agree that as a great as Penai or Penay Sewell Penae, can I be, I would much rather Penay Sewell can be. I would much rather have had Fields. Steve also said he'll feel good about this year's draft in four years if Fields is a bust. <laughs> That's interesting. I thought uh, I thought Detroit and Carolina and Denver all had a chance to take Fields, and I was surprised all three of them passed. Yeah, it was interesting for sure. I will say to the Lions fans who are feeling like that, you know, Fields could be great. Uh, Sewell, they like uh, Bedner was right. He he could have been the number one overall pick without these big quarterbacks, and he's the player that uh, you know some front office staff in the NFL are saying of all the people in the draft, this is the most for sure Hall of Fame player there. Like he is, he is set to be the cornerstone. And uh, just ask Bengals fans, how does it go when you draft the best quarterback you can get and you don't have anyone to protect them? It's not great. Mm. So maybe they made the right no. choice. And maybe next year after they go, uh, well, I made a joke in our group chat. I said, after you go 0-16, you can draft your quarterback. And somebody pointed out that they might be the first 0-17 team this year. So we'll see, <laughs> oh, we'll right. see well, who they get. I'll tell you what it's going to come down to. Who has kickoff earlier in week 17 between Houston and Detroit. Both of them are in for long, long seasons. 
Um, and just a note, I know we probably shouldn't say this now, but I'm having a tough time reading all these paragraphs with the yellow background. So maybe I'm an old man and need some glasses, but maybe we'll change that next week um, for the listeners who think I'm illiterate and can't read. Uh, <laughs> Marty is a Bills fan. Bills added to their only two areas of need, DN and DE and size. Rumors have it they're already looking for a larger team plane. <laughs> I like it. Lots to be excited about in Buffalo. After the draft, they picked up the fifth-year options of both Allen and Edmonds. So he feels like they're set up for a long playoff run, and I think he's right. Tyler, I fucking hate the Lions. <laughs> Enough said. What an <laughs> input. I love it. <laughs> and then a division rival with a nice quick and short one as well. Todd said, Bears killed it. Franchise quarterback in the second round, drafting O-lineman Tevin Jenkins, a first-round talent, a steal. Bears fans are pumped. Yeah, for sure. So now, buddy, it's you and me, and uh, that's one of the nice things about this show. We both cheer for the same team, and so when it comes to stuff like this, we're both giving our input on the same situation. So... You know, obviously we were excited during the show. We kind of wrapped up just as they just as they drafted Najee Harris. Um, and overall, the way that things went on the weekend, I like it. There were a lot of football analysts saying that they didn't like taking Harris in the first round because obviously the real need that the Steelers have is on their O-line. Um, but I, I liked the pick. They would have been reaching for an O-lineman. Um, the way that the Raiders kind of did in the first round. They they took a guy who they maybe could have got later. Um, we got a great running back. We got two great linemen um, in rounds three and four. I was surprised they didn't take a lineman in round two, but uh, that tight end that we got, Freermouth, um, you know, he, he looks like he's going to be an athletic piece, uh, maybe a little better version of Heath Miller. Possibly they reached too high, but... You know, if that's the guy they wanted, they went out and got him. Um, I like what they added on the defense. I like the massive man of a punter that we got in the last round. And uh, massive, yeah. Like what is he two sixty? So actually, I was looking it up before. Uh, Who's my turn to say it? <laughs> potential, uh, potential sub on the O line as well, maybe. Um, so that's the important piece for them in the off season. They're going to have to add to the O line in free agency. But uh, I'm excited to see what Harris does, and it looks like he's going to just take on a full-time workload right away. Oh, I, I love it. Uh, so here, Presley Harvin third is a punter, six foot, 255 pounds. Oof. My punter can beat up your punter. Um, <laughs> but he can't catch Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, that's it, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, as far as the Steelers draft, I was, you know, before the draft, I was going back and forth about taking a running back in the first round. I just... We see how the running back positions used in the NFL these days, but it was obviously an area of need. And I trust Tomlin and Colbert. Um, they they re, they got the guy they wanted. And the more I think about it since the draft, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I think you know we draft Najee, we draft Baby Gronk, we draft this O-Lyman Green. They they like these doppelgangers of you know, all-time Steelers, Pouncey, and we got this you know kind of game-changing running back and a, a possession tight end who's a, a monster in the red zone i'm really excited about this i think we can get back to steeler football and you know we run the ball we play amazing defense control the clock i'm really excited about it and uh, you know a minor move we made we we traded up on day three to land uh, defensive end louder milk and you know we're not a team that is very active trade wise ever or with free agents so the fact that they did that must mean we really really like them and uh, i'm excited to see what he can add to the the duo of highsmith and uh, tj watt yeah, for sure. Now, I do want to say quickly, I heard that uh, I heard that nickname uh, for Fearmouth, Baby Gronk. And I got to say, personally, I don't really like the early nicknames that compare a guy to an all-time great. 
right? Agreed. Like, you know, Kenny Galladay yep. was Baby Tron and, and uh, Claypool Maple Tron, right? Because he's from Canada. Ha ha ha, I get it. But uh, I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of years ago, there actually already was a tight end that people called Baby Gronk. And, uh, you know, he was the guy. He was going to be the man. He was going to be the new Travis Kelsey. His name was Gary Barnkowski, I believe, and he played for the Cleveland Browns. And uh, the fact that you probably are scratching your head when I said that name tells you how that nickname works. Barnage. Gary Barnage? Barnage. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Maybe I'm mixing him, it yeah. up because somebody started calling him Barnkowski because, like, Gronkowski. <laughs> oh. See, it's, it's too pervasive. Yeah. There Barnage. Yeah. Uh, Instead, he was Carnage. I 100% agree with the nicknames before. I mean, all he had to do was wear 87 and spike a ball once, and it's just such an easy <laughs> nickname to give. But uh, I hope he plays like him. And I, w- I want to say this about Najee. I'm, you know, I wasn't 100% sold on Ben coming back, and then I decided I was when we resigned him. And I'm really happy he's here now because I feel like, you know, the veteran quarterback is going to put the rookie running back in the best position to succeed pre-snap almost every snap. And, uh, you know, he's going to make his reads and, and give him the chance to succeed. So, um, you know, as far as fantasy, we saw Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year jump into the first round. We saw a breakout from Jonathan Taylor. Which which one do you think Najee kind of will, you know, what kind of year do you think he kind of replicates? Well, so here's where I'm at. I think that his draft, I don't know if I'm going to get him a single fantasy league because his draft hype is going to be insane just because yep. of the perceived workload, right? And I think he's going to be overdrafted. I think he's going to be like CEH and jump up to, you know, maybe a top, like people might be taking him top seven or eight in their fantasy redraft leagues. Uh, I'm hoping that his overall season is closer to the Jonathan Taylor uh, that we saw down the stretch. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I think he's going to be closer to that because the size of the running attack, what the Steelers want to do, the way that they've traditionally had success is to have a strong running game. Um, and they they haven't done that recently. Like two years ago was kind of a write-off once Ben went out. And uh, this past year, they just didn't have the personnel on the line or in the backfield. So I'm hoping that with some additions to the O-line and, and a true you know three-down back, uh, just that based on the workload and the talent we're gonna we're gonna have a higher end rookie what are you feeling about him i'm thinking he's gonna have a monster year and it's gonna be right out of the gate right like he's not gonna be splitting carries or earning workloads he's gonna be the guy from the get-go and uh i'm really really excited i feel the same way though i don't think i'm gonna land him in any of my leagues um because i feel like he's gonna be you know the hype guy and people will reach for him so um Hopefully he starts off slow and I can trade for him after the season starts and then just ride him into the the championship. Where would you be willing to take him? Like if you had the last pick in a 12-man redraft league, would you take him at the turn? Or is that still too early? Man. Well, it's there's so few running backs that are getting this bell cow role now. And mm. like you said, yeah, that's why people are going to reach because of the potential workload. I would... As a Steelers fan, I wouldn't be able to pass on him. So I would, you know, I might want to say it as a uh, professional fantasy analyst that I might, but as a Steelers fan, there's no chance I would pass on him. <laughs> you heard it here, third overall. <laughs> Jeff Faulkner. All right. Well, uh, that was great. Thanks, everybody, for the feedback. Um, we loved hearing what the uh, what the different fan bases were thinking. It's I'd rather listen to that than just read, you know, CBS's analysis of every team in their grades. 
But uh, we also have a voicemail, and it's an old buddy of ours, Jeff. And I do mean an old buddy of ours. It's uh, it's our pal, uh, one of the pioneers of fantasy football, friend of the show, Mr. John Jackson. So let's see what John had to say this week. Hello? Hello? Marjorie, is the thing... I can't hear it. Is the thing on? Hello? Okay. Hi, guys. It's me, your buddy, John. Hope you're well. Anyways, I just wanted to let you know I've been listening. Good job. I'm almost interested in playing fantasy football again. I told you I haven't played in some time. Uh, My grandson was asking me about managing a team with him. But, uh, you know, I was almost going to say yes Until this week, I turned on my TV before the players were getting drafted, right? And I nearly soiled myself. What do I hear but a star quarterback, Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers, telling people he doesn't like it there. He doesn't want to play football there. Wah. Makes me sick. Mr. Rogers, you know where I didn't want to play football? Korea. But I did it anyways because that was my job. Oh boy. My best running back got blown up. And you're complaining because you don't like it. Oh. Back in the days when we started this, quarterbacks had to have a second job. They couldn't put food on the table. And if they got hurt, they were gone for good. You've got enough money that your grandkids' grandkids are set for life. You have a beautiful girl on your arm. And you're wearing one of the proudest uniforms in the NFL. Oh, Brett Favre will be rolling in his grave as soon as he dies, the old bugger. (laughs) Anyways, fellas, I just couldn't sit by and let this go unnoticed. But I I do want to tell you I've got to go now. It's been nice uh, talking at you, but my soup is ready and it's tomato. God bless. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Yours truly, John. Wow. So uh, pretty strong take from uh, Mr. Jackson. And uh, thank you, John, for calling in. We we do appreciate uh, your input on this, especially as one of the one of the minds behind this great game that we play. But, you know, this has been a hot this has been a hot topic all week long. People are divided on this. I saw the other day Terry Bradshaw came out and kind of ripped Aaron Rodgers a little bit the same he kind of had the same feelings as John did um and said yeah great let him retire too bad for him um I don't know where do you stand on this like we're seeing it more and more with star a little bit now I guess with quarterbacks and football players but uh obviously the NBA is the most glaring example of uh you know star players forcing ownership's hand and forcing them to uh to move them to where they want to be. What do you think about all that? 
I don't know. Well, first of all, I mean, sorry to hear about your running back, John. That's uh, terrible. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This whole situation is it's. I don't know. I, I heard some analysts on the radio, some experts, and they're saying, yeah, Green Bay's been doing Aaron Rodgers dirty for years. They haven't in- included him in roster moves and and decision making, and they haven't you know put a proper supporting cast around him. And then I look at the record; they're thirteen and three, and yeah, he's a big part of it. But it's a you know a team game for sure, and it's you know it's not just number twelve. So um, I don't know. It seems like you know you hear all these other rumors about Aaron Rodgers not talking to his family and and whatever reason that or whatever's behind that. It just kind of seems like he's a different personality, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like he's he's almost like a sucky baby. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it, really. It's like, I mean, I get it if you're unhappy, but just, I don't know, man. You're making more than anybody, and you compare yourself to Tom Brady, and look at those salaries. It's like Tom Brady puts his team in a possession to win because his salary allows them to spend elsewhere, and Aaron Rodgers is making, like, 25% of his team's cap hit. So, I mean, it doesn't – you can't have it both ways. Like, you want to be the highest paid, or do you want to win Super Bowls? So, um yeah, I mean, I hope he moves on just because it would be an exciting story. And, I, you know, let's see what Jordan Love can do. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's bananas. Well, and I don't know how he doesn't move on at this point. It's gotten so sour. Um, it's It seems like it's beyond repair. Um, it's interesting that you bring up Tom Brady because at the end of Brady's time in New England, and obviously the success isn't the same, right? Rodgers has one Super Bowl ring. Um, but, uh, you know, he's been the MVP. He's the reigning MVP right now. Um, he's had weapons throughout, like he hasn't had the arsenal that some other elite quarterbacks have had. I get it. And he's, and he's not happy maybe, but you know what? Like at the end of the day, you look at how it was handled. Brady had problems in new England near the end. He had, you know, it was mega news. It was all off season. He's not getting along with Belichick. He's not getting along with Robert Kraft. He's not getting along. He wants, his own training facility with his own staff, and then they took that away, and you know this and that. Um, but at the end of the day, he fulfilled his contract, let it get to free agency, and then said, "I'm not coming back." And that was scandalous enough. Like the guy played almost two decades there, and and catapulted them up to the uh, up to the elite level of uh, you know team success. And, uh, but he, but he stuck it out even when he was unhappy. And at the same time, like you said, he kept, you know, taking a little bit less. Like, it's not like he was playing for minimum wage, obviously the guy's making millions of dollars to play a game, but he, he restructured his deal and let, uh, he restructured his deal and let the team improve around him because what he cared about was winning. That's what you play to win the games. And that's what he did. And, you know, we talked about Denver's fortunes changing if Rodgers goes there. There's a there's numerous other teams. If the trade had gone down and he went to San Francisco, fantastic. But this is a team that, you know, they are coming off, what, consecutive conference championship games? And he was the MVP and they were 13-3 and three last year? Like, how much better is it going to get? I guess right? if I guess if it is such a toxic relationship that you have with the GM and you just can't do it for another year. You know, I guess I understand, but it's, it's tough to see. Right. And if you're, here's the thing though, you know, the coach obviously wants Rogers there. If your ownership, you want Rogers there, 
Like it's kind of what uh, I think Tyler said this a couple months ago about Seattle when we were having the same conversation about Russ Wilson. Do you just move on from the GM and say, you know what, you caused this and you moved up to take a quarterback last year and he spit it in our face by winning the MVP? Like we're gonna keep Aaron happy and you're gone. Like I don't know. I don't know what. Yeah, this is a little different because the heir apparent's in place already and Rodgers is a little closer to the end of his career. But you're right, man. Like, Green Bay has given him everything. Like, they were literally one questionable penalty call or non-call away from beating who the team that won the Super Bowl last year. So, mm-hmm. like, they were right there. And, uh, yeah, that's why it's so baffling. And that's kind of why I said the sucky baby thing. Like, it's not like he's going 8-8 eight and eight and missing the playoffs and he's throwing for 5,000 yards and they just have no defense. Like, they've got a complete team and a chance to win the Super Bowl every year that he's there. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just it's, it's got to be drama behind the scenes that's too much for him. But don't forget, too, that the heir apparent was there in New England as well. And Brady said, I want him out of here. And he got traded to San Francisco. That's true. Right? Like five, it's... Rings. five rings has a little more clout, I guess. I don't know. I guess. It's, it's... Yeah, anyway. it's... it's it, Wherever he goes, if he goes... On, like you said, I agree with you. I don't think they can fix this unless the GM gets the ditch. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's going to be fun to watch, and uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, thanks again, John, and thanks everybody who wrote in with their answers. Uh, but, uh, we are going to take a look. We're not going to break down every team's draft. That's too much. You know, we're just, uh, we're just the little engine that could not the little engine that could do everything, but, uh, we do have some highlights and some real low lights that we want to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about some teams. We're going to talk about some individual players and we're going to talk about winners and losers. I'll always be a winner and you'll always be a loser. Fantasy football winners and losers. You blew it. So we're gonna start with uh, we're gonna start with the teams, the teams that we thought ended up as winners after this year's draft coming out of the draft, and teams that we thought ended up as losers. So uh, taking a look first at the AFC, I know who my team winner is. It is the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, a team that took a huge step forward last year. They got Jalen Waddle. He is a burner. And the addition of him plus Will Fuller in the offseason gives this offense some fire. They added talent in every area. They got a great pass rusher with their their second pick that they had in the first round. Uh, they took a high-end safety and an O-tackle who both could be starters right away or pretty soon. Um, I'm excited to see Miami. I'm excited to see that division. Like Buffalo obviously looks like the team to beat, but it's, you know, after two decades of Patriots domination... Uh, it's really getting me excited to see some good football that's happening and the Dolphins are heading in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's all on Tua, right? It's going to be fun to watch. They've got weapons all around them and a great D. So it's, you know, they're a team on the upswing for sure. Um, my winner in the AFC, and it pains me to say this, um, <laughs> is the Cleveland Browns, the division rival. Uh, Kyle and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago, how we really liked the way the roster set up, and uh, I feel like they filled some holes in the draft. They, they addressed the defense with a cornerback, Greg Newsom, in round one, and then uh, they got what many are calling the steal of the draft. Um, I'm going to try to put, pronounce his name, Jeremiah Owusa-Koromoa, uh, J-O-K, as everybody's re- re- calling him, from Notre Dame, a linebacker who uh, had, you know, many had a first-round grade on this guy, and he dropped to number 52 overall, so... That's a great snag for the Browns, and I think uh, you know with the off-season acquisitions they've made, 
you know, with Clowney and um, some other players. I think they're in position to be, uh, you know, a really dangerous team. It just depends on uh, Baker Mayfield, much like the the Dolphins and Tua. Uh, which Baker do we get in 2021? But uh, I'm, I'm worried about Cleveland. Oh, yeah, I don't like it at all. Hopefully we get the uh, 2019 Baker. I think he's got a new commercial deal, so fingers crossed. That's it, yeah. Um, all right, well, in the AFC, we're looking at losers now. And uh, this is, you know, a team that I, I like to watch if the Steelers aren't on. And I'm interested to see what's happening, but I don't really know what's happening. The Oakland Raiders, they were a loser to me. Uh, going into this draft, their big three needs were offensive line, defensive line, and defensive back. And those are areas that will just crush you if you're not strong. And they reached, I talked about this earlier, they reached real hard in the first round. Uh, they took they took an offensive lineman, Leatherwood, and uh, he wasn't projected to go until kind of mid-second round. They took him at number 17, I believe, overall. And at the same time, they, they passed over um, some offensive line prospects at a higher grade. So I guess you never know. They liked what they saw. Uh, he was their guy, but they, they reached hard. They only took one D lineman, uh, Malcolm Kuntz, an edge rusher who's had some injury problems, um, can be effective if he's healthy. They took three safeties and one cornerback, so I guess that's, you know, they made an effort to address their, uh, their defensive backfield. And uh, I believe actually today they also they also acquired Casey Hayward, um, so that'll help. But uh, and then they took the only other old lineman they took was a guard in the last round. Their offensive line, defensive line are in bad shape. So unless they've got a big a big plan for uh, for some late moves here going into the season, uh, I think they're going to be in trouble. Well, it's you know ever since Gruden and Mayock went there, it's. I mean, you remember watching drafts when Mayock was the main guy and he was like the voice of the draft and everybody trusted his opinion more than anybody else's. Mm -hmm. And now it's just ever since he went to Oakland, it seems like they tried to find the steal of the draft instead to prove people wrong instead of taking the best talent. Like like you said, I had my head, I was scratching my head the whole draft and, and I love, you know, I want the Raiders to be good too because, you know, Vegas and everything and it's, we talk about the uniforms, but uh, yeah, I was pretty underwhelmed with what they've done and. I have been since Gruden and Mayock kind of taken over here. So, I mean, what, only seven years left uh, on the 10-year contract? Yeah, <laughs> only 70 million bucks. Uh, well, and, you know, I mentioned it earlier in the offseason. Like, their their offense has markedly improved since Gruden came, but their defense has just been a disaster. And I don't know that they really addressed it enough by, you know, taking three safeties. Maybe they're planning on playing a prevent cover zero all the time. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not, other, not other than other than Leatherwood and Kuntz, who can you name a player they've drafted? Oh, I guess Jacobs um, on the defensive side of the ball. Like Mayock was with his guru at the draft day, and I don't. Yeah. Other than Jacobs, who was like a can't miss running back. Anyways, yeah, it's <laughs> they used to have Cleo Mack. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so my team for the AFC uh, loser or non-winner was a team that was kind of you know they were put in a tough position before the draft even started. Uh, partially their fault with some maneuvers they made, but also a big part of it was the uncertainty with Deshaun Watson. So Houston Texans were my loser. Um, they didn't have a lot of draft picks. Their first pick was number 67 overall, and due to the circumstances, they decided to draft a corner, a quarterback. So they took Davis Mills. Um, I'm not, you know, going to pass judgment on on the decision and and make any, you know, 
remarks on Davis Mills. I don't know much about him, but you know, obviously they drafted him because Watson is so uncertain for the season. And if he was playing, they would have gone another route. But they were kind of forced to to make the moves they made. And I don't think they're going to be a very good team next year or maybe in the year after. So they took a wide receiver to replace Will Fuller at 89. Again, it's just filling holes and not addressing needs that uh, they already had. So it's going to be – I think you can basically lock them for a top three pick in next year's draft. Yeah, unless by some miracle Watson's under center for them. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to criticize the pick. Like, I don't know, man. You take a, you take a late, late quarterback as your first pick – like you can't, the team's gonna be a disaster if David if Davis Mills has to be the starter. You can't tell me that there's not ten, you know, career second string quarterbacks that you could go out and sign real cheap, and you could have used that pick for you know a player that might actually turn into something. And maybe I'm stupid. Maybe in ten years you're gonna pull this clip out and I'm just gonna look ridiculous because Davis Mills is the new Tom Brady. But, uh, you know, there was, there was so much talent. They have an area of need at every position on the field. Um, I think they could, have, they could have addressed that later. Anyways. All I right. Well, same way, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's get to the NFC here. Uh, so my team winners from the NFC, and this will make Reed happy, it's the Minnesota Vikings. Exactly what Reed said. They traded down, they loaded up on picks, and they still got a whole bunch of quality players they picked up two stud linemen, and uh, they added good pieces to their defense. The only pick, looking at what they did, the only pick that I didn't really like was them uh, taking a backup running back in the fourth round. And I don't just mean a backup to Dalvin Cook. I mean he spent most of his college career as a backup. But uh, I do wonder if maybe, they, maybe they're not looking at him as much of a running back piece um, as much as a special teamer. So maybe they're trying to pull a Bill Belichick and find that hidden gem who's going to be uh, you know, a special team all pro for them. But overall, I think they killed it. I think Reed gave them an A, and I'd probably agree with that. The Vikes, are, uh, they're on the way up. Well, they're already up, but yeah, they're I loved what they... on their way slightly up more. I love the way they manipulated the, their draft picks and traded down and acquired a lot. It's you know that's the new NFL and you can you know fill a lot of holes. There's so much talent in the draft, right? Like everybody thinks it's around one and two and then it dies off, but there's so much talent even after the draft that gets signed. So I love what they did. Um, my NFC winner, another team I love what they did was uh, we talked about it earlier in the episode was the Chicago Bears. Um, you know I think they they went from kind of a laughing stock in the NFC North to uh, you know uh, something that people have eyes on anyways. I don't know if they're gonna you know have a lot of success in the win column, but uh, it's gonna be fun to watch to see how the season plays out. Uh, they only had two picks in the first four rounds after they made their moves, but they ended up getting Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins, like Todd said, uh, two first round talents in in his eyes. Um, obviously the big draft day trade was huge, but another part of it was apparently the division rival Vikings, the team you just mentioned also tried to trade up for Justin Fields. So they, not only did they get their guy, but they blocked a division rival from getting him. So that's just a nice little bonus there. And, um, yeah, it was a funny stat. And as soon as this happened, I saw a stat come out on social media. The bears have never had a 4,000 yard passer in a season. And, uh, yeah. A lot of people think Justin Fields could potentially be that guy and maybe Andy Dalton is if he plays all year long. So, you know, Chicago, I, I like what they did. And uh, I think uh, if Fields is, is the real deal, they're going to be happy about this for a long time. And I also want to shout out to Dallas, too. I love what they did. I think I mentioned that earlier, but uh, I love that they, they just put such a focus on defense after uh, such a terrible year last year. 
Yeah, well, they you know they saw what they had to do and uh, and they did it. So yeah, good for them. Uh, right, but not everybody in the NFC was a winner. And uh, when we're looking at team losers, I got to go to a team that's struggling a bit here, the New Orleans Saints. I am having a hard time picturing in my mind how they are going to be competitive in that division with the Bucks and how they are going to move on from Drew Brees. So, you know, the, it's a tough thing. When you lose your franchise quarterback, it's tough. Not every team goes from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, right? But uh, they've already got two quarterbacks, and nobody knows. Is it going to be Winston? Is it going to be Hill? Uh, and... So in round one, they took a pass rusher, which is an area of need, but they reached way too hard. And I guess uh, I didn't look back, but I was reading about in the past they've done this. They've they've kind of exactly what you said, tried to be too smart, too cute. And specifically with pass rushers, they just don't seem to, to hit on those picks very often. Uh, they pick guys that you know might not go for another 25 picks in the in the pre-draft rankings and they take them and then they kind of end up busting um, <clears throat> they they did okay in the next couple rounds uh, they added a linebacker and a defensive back that you know look like usable pieces but then the fourth round they took a quarterback why are you taking a quarterback you already have too many quarterbacks you have two starting quarterbacks and you take another quarterback and you waste one of your limited picks. Oh my gosh. And then they don't take anyone who can catch the ball or contribute on offense until their very last pick. You know what the Steelers did with their last pick? They took a 260-pound punter because he can kick the ball and they don't want him to go to an unsigned status where he can go. You don't wait till the last round to take your skill position. So we're in a position where we've got Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders is gone, uh, they have a rookie or a, a second-year tight end who's like never caught a ball in the NFL, and Alvin Kamara, and that's like it. I don't know what they're doing, man. They're a mess. Boom. Well, yeah. yeah, I like it. It's. Yeah, I don't feel bad for them. I don't know why, but I don't love the Saints for whatever reason. And so watching them kind of go through rebuild might be fun for me, and, and I know Carolina Panthers fans feel the same way. Um, my NFC team loser was the Seattle Seahawks, and this kind of feels like low-hanging fruit, but we heard all offseason, Russell Wilson is sick and tired of getting hit. And I know they had limited picks, but uh, they did pick a 56 overall, and instead of addressing an area of need where you can make your very disgruntled quarterback happy uh, and take a no lineman, they took a receiver, a team, uh, you know, a, a perceived position of strength with uh, Lockett and Metcalf there and others. So, um yeah, I don't know what Seattle was thinking there. They ended up taking a quarterback at 137th overall, and then they finally addressed the O-line at 208. Um, yeah, obviously it's hard to make a big impact with only three picks, but you could have made your quarterback a little happier if you, you addressed that O-line a little earlier, in my opinion. Well, and that's the thing. They might end up in the same position after this season, right? Like, oh, oh my goodness. Oh, boy. All right, so we've also got some uh, players, some individual players from the draft who we call winners and losers. Each of us uh, looked at quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs, and not just rookies that were drafted, but overall uh, team situations. So for me, my quarterback winner is Trey Lance. And the reason is that normally, if you're a top three draft pick quarterback, you are going to an awful team. There's a reason that they're picking at number one or two or three, and you are in for some hardship when you get there. Uh, but that is not the case with Trey Lance. The 49ers are only two years removed from a Super Bowl. They've got great weapons. 
They've got a strong defense when it's healthy, and they've got one of the best play callers in the game. So he is like he is coming into the dream situation as a top end quarterback prospect. No doubt about it. Like you look at Wilson, Zach Wilson going second overall to the Jets. Like it's a long road to to winning seasons. Where yeah, Trey Lance can just jump right into a ten and six season. Um, my biggest winner of the weekend after after the draft for the quarterback position was uh, Jordan Love. After the rumors we heard from Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers wanting out, it sounds like uh, his timeline is going to be accelerated, and he could be you know potentially starting at the start of this year. So um, yeah, I'm really think uh, it couldn't have gone any better for Jordan Love. He didn't have to do anything to become the starter, and um, he, you know gets to go to a team another like we talked about earlier, a team that's you know playoff bound, their playoff roster uh, as long as he plays to the part. Yeah, for sure. Now, I'll I'll say this. I don't really know enough about Jordan Love. I was shocked when they traded up to draft him. And since then, it's not exactly like we heard anything about him him showing off in camp or, or pushing for time or anything. Like, I have no idea. Maybe this is Jordan Love's worst nightmare. Maybe he just thought, oh, yeah, I've got five <laughs> exactly. years of holding the clipboard and maybe a ring on my finger and... Now he's got to dig through the pile of Wendy's wrappers in his room and find his playbook. Who knows? All right, but uh, it's gonna be yeah. fun to watch though. And, and sorry, I was just gonna say, and he's got a cannon. I do remember some uh, college video of him like rolling out to his wrong side and just slinging it sixty yards in the air. He's got an arm for sure. And, okay, and obviously Green Bay knows quarterbacks, so it'll be fun to watch. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's been thirty-five years of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, so no matter what, it's gonna be a shakeup. Um, all right, looking at some quarterbacks who weren't so lucky, though. My pick for a quarterback loser is Andy Dalton. Uh, you know, he's a career starter in Cincy. He took a backup job last year when he knew they were they were going up to take Burrow. Uh, he got some time to fill in in Dallas. Dak went down, and uh, he translated that into getting a starting job. He came to Chicago. They shipped out Mitch Trubisky. They announced it immediately. He's our man, QB1 with a picture. And then they traded up nine spots and took a quarterback. So, uh, yeah, like I said, he his Bud Light Lime, that bottle is smashed all over his dining room floor. Sorry, Andy. Uh, my quarterback loser is, you know, I thought about Cam Newton with Mac Jones coming there, but that was kind of, we saw that coming. Um, and we were not, not, not surprised that New England went and addressed the quarterback position through the draft. So I, uh, I changed my tune a little bit here and, and kind of went outside of the box. I chose Kirk Cousins, and I mentioned earlier, um, so Kirk Cousins, my loser of the weekend. I mentioned earlier that the mini, there was a rumor they tried to trade up for Fields, not, not successful there. But then they did address the quarterback position by drafting Kellen Mond. So I feel like they, you know, the pressure's on for Beef Kirky, and if he has a, a bad start to the season, who knows where he'll be at the end of the year? So uh, yeah, rough weekend for uh, Kirk Cousins and Co. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, moving on to the running back position, my winner. Oh, I love saying it because he's my guy. He's my man, <laughs> Miles Gaskin. Oh boy, Miami had so many picks in the first few rounds of this draft, and I was so worried because he showed out last year. He was not considered even in the running. Right? They had Jordan Howard. They had Matt Breida. Gaskin was kind of this like unheralded rookie. And uh, when he was healthy last year, he was great. He carried the load. He had a nose for the goal line. Um, and I acquired him in our League of Extraordinary Gentlemen as a secondary piece. So when I traded with Marty, I sent Josh Jacobs to Marty. I got Keenan Allen. Obviously, that was the main, you know, the bulk of the trade. 
And then as kind of a throw-in piece, Marty sent Miles Gaskin, and I, I thought, well, could be something. Could be if they don't, if all these picks, they don't use a running back, and they didn't. They took a running back with their very last pick. They believe in Gaskin. This is going to be a good offense. I am pumped for my team, and I am pumped for the Dolphins, and I am pumped for Miles Gaskin. He's a winner, Jeff. There you go. Well, so you've been telling me in the trade talks this uh, last <laughs> week, but I just read a thing today about Malcolm Brown. I didn't realize that he had signed in Miami, and, and the coach seems to love him. So there's going to be a role there, but I, I do think Miles Gaskin came out of the weekend a lot better than had been rumored. So, um, my running back winner, I was I thought about Chase Edmonds. He, you know, obviously the Arizona didn't uh, draft a running back. They same signed James Conner, so he doesn't have a ton of competition there. Um, but I'm going with our boy. I'm going with our new boy for my winner of the weekend, Najee Harris. Um, just for the sake, or for the case that he landed on a team that still believes in the bell cow running back. And uh, there was rumors, even Miami was one of the rumored teams who were going to maybe take Najee. So, uh, you know, that would have been a crowded running back room and he'd be fighting for carries where now he gets to come into a team where he's going to be the bell cow. And uh, hopefully it's an explosive offense. They've got a lot of playmakers around him that can kind of open things up for him. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. So Najee Harris is my uh, big winner of the weekend for running backs. I like it, man. I hope it's. I hope that's the truth. All right, running back losers. Oh, this one hurts though. I'm going with James Robinson, the uh, you know the draft, the fantasy draft darling, the steal of the year last year in fantasy football. Undrafted free agent who went to the Jaguars and what had 95 percent of the running back touches, I think. And uh, you know the Jags repaid him for his performance by using their second uh, their second pick in the first round to select Travis Etienne, who he was the he was kind of the one B to Harris going into the draft. Um, they're reuniting him with his college quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Um, he's got great speed. Etienne is a good player, not quite the receiver that Harris is, I don't think, but has the has the chops. It really kind of hurt Etienne to not go to a different team too, but uh, it's a mess there. It's going to be a, it's going to be just like, you know, half the teams in the NFL, you don't know which guy you want. You don't know which guy you want to start. So if you've been holding on to James Robinson, that one hurt. Yeah, it was kind of a shocker. I mean, I'm not surprised they took a running back, but that early with so many other needs. So that was a tough one for those James Robinson owners. Oh, boo hoo. Um, <laughs> My running back loser of the weekend was Melvin Gordon, another guy who uh, the, the team drafted a running back earlier than I kind of expected. Uh, they took Javante Williams out of North Carolina, and um, you know we were hyping him up last week as one of the top three running backs in the class. And I think he's a lot better than Philip Lindsay was, and I think he's going to take a bigger piece of the pie than Philip Lindsay did. So that's a tough break for Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. Yeah, and Gordon was looking so good because Lindsay moved on to, I believe, Houston, right? And uh, all of a sudden, it looked like you know, it looked like he was going to get rewarded for playing well last year. But yeah, now it's another just a mess. Yuck, hot mess. Oh boy. Well, let's look at the pass catchers here. We have some wide receiver winners, and I think that you're going to like the sounds of this one, buddy. Allen Robinson, he was already in line to have his best quarterback ever when Andy Dalton came to the Bears, and uh, his future just got a lot more bright with them bringing Fields in. Um, and he is in, he's in line to be just a target monster. So between Dalton and Fields, if they can improve the accuracy problems that uh, the Bears have had, um, and that Robinson also had when he was with the Jaguars. Like, he is in line for a big season. Uh, he's got to be pretty oh. excited. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, this guy's always been a target monster. It's just the problem is the targets have been all over the place. So hopefully the new quarterbacks can hit number 12 between the numbers and he can show the world how good he is because I think talent-wise he's the top 10 receiver. It's just his quarterback play has been abysmal. So I'm very, very excited for that. He was going to be my choice um, if you didn't put him down. But the guy I chose I think is going to be the WR1 overall at next year. Um, you know, the Tennessee Titans, they lost Corey Davis. They lost Johnny Smith. And they had a whole bunch of draft picks to uh, address the pass catchers, and, and they did not do it. They have A.J. Brown and nobody else. I mean, there's going to be other guys on the field, but it's A.J. Brown's season. I think he is going to be amazing next year. And like I said, I think he potentially uh, is the WR1 at the end of the year. Oh, man, I can't wait to see if you're right. He's got all the tools except for one piece, the quarterback. Anyways, no, I'm just kidding. Tannehill's been just fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, there were some losers in the wide receiver, uh, the wide receiver core. And, uh, I'm actually gonna, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit here, buddy. I'm not just picking one. I've got a, I've got a a two pack for you. My wide receiver loser is T Higgins slash maybe Tyler Boyd slash both. So (laughs) the Bengals, you know, kind of surprised. I, I thought with their number five pick that they would actually take Panay Sewell, uh, protect Joe Burrow, protect their investment, but uh, they they went flashy. They they went big. They brought in Jamar Chase, you know Burrow's uh, Burrow's dynamic duo partner from college. Uh, they wanted to reunite Burrow with their number one weapon. There was no surprise. Like Chase showed up to the draft wearing black and orange striped shoes. Like he knew where he was going, yeah. even if nobody else knew. Uh, Higgins was great last year. Boyd, he's shown himself to be a more than capable possession receiver. And when AJ Green left, I thought both of those guys looked like good options, right? Burrow coming into his second season, two good receivers, a great running back. And now, I don't know. I know, I think that at least one of these guys is going to kind of be neutralized and maybe both of them by Jamar Chase because, they're not bringing in a, a wide receiver like that to give him 40 targets. Like Burrow is going to be looking early and often Chase's way, and Higgins and Boyd are going to kind of be there to pick up what's left. Well, Chase has already said I'm wearing number one. It's part of the NFL's new rule and the, the number uh, that he's allowed to wear. So he's choosing number one because he says he's going to set every receiving record in Cincinnati. So he is not uh, – not, uh, you know, he's confident and he's feels like he's in a good position. You know, I think this affects Higgins more than Boyd. I, I think um, Boyd being the slot receiver and Burrow has shown uh, not only in the NFL but in college that he loves relying on that uh, slot receiver. Justin Jefferson was his guy in college and Boyd had a great uh, rapport with him last year before Burrow got hurt. But uh, yeah, as far as T Higgins, I was really, really excited about him before the chase pick and now it's I mean, Burrow's got weapons, but as far as fantasy, it's, you know, Chase and then the other two are going to very hit or miss every week. So, yeah, it's a tough break for Higgins after a nice rookie season. Speaking of rookie seasons, my wide receiver loser is uh, Rashad Bateman. Uh, he was drafted this season, and, yeah, it's really sweet, man. You got drafted in the first round. You went 27th overall. You're a playmaking receiver drafted in the first round. That's amazing. But you went to Baltimore, <laughs> and they hate throwing the football. So, uh, you know, he's a playmaker, obviously, first-round talent, but will he be given the opportunity to make plays is the real question. I think uh, it's just a tough situation for him to land and, and, and showcase his abilities. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Like it's it comes back to what we were saying earlier in the show, right? Slice of the pie, but the pie is real small. The Ravens already their running their passing game struggled this past year. Um, you know, they had the the hot touchdown rate in uh, Lamar's first full season, his MVP season. But you've already got Mark Andrews, you've already got Hollywood. Now you bring in Rashad Bateman, who that's a good pickup for their team as an NFL selection that's probably pretty good because it gives them another weapon that they can use with confidence in the passing game but yeah as a fantasy asset for Bateman's sake and probably for Andrews and Hollywood's sake as well it hurts because now you're just I don't see them becoming a team that's gonna increase you know by 10 pass attempts a game um, they're just looking to make more of those pass attempts uh, when they have to throw it. But, you know, ultimately their their bread and butter is going to be on the ground. Um, they've got Dobbins, they've got the Gus Bus, and obviously they've got that uh, that big handsome running back playing quarterback for them. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. He could have been, you know, he could have been in line to be a, a wide receiver one pretty quick if he went to a team in need. And instead, uh, he's going to be picking up crumbs wherever he can, wherever he can get them. So, yeah. we'll see. All right, man. Well, you know we've we've covered a lot here. I like it. This has been yeah, a good it's been show. Fun. It's, but uh, yeah, we're not not quite done yet. We're coming down the home stretch here, and uh, let's kick it into high gear. Let's go to the two minute drill. It's time for the fantasy Falcon football two minute drill. So last week, our old buddy Tyler, he asked us to pick our five rookies pre-draft that we thought would have the biggest fantasy potential for this coming season. And uh, this week, he asked us the same question. uh, How has it changed after knowing where all these rookies ended up? So I looked, I looked it over. I almost kept it the same. Um, it, I, I kept it exactly the same five except for one player. So Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's still the most surefire rookie quarterback. Uh, just because Fields and Jones, they won't start right away. And Wilson's in a trickier spot, I think, um, just with, you know, new coach, new system, new everything. They definitely added offensive pieces in New York, but uh, I, I don't like... I don't like his chances of having kind of a breakout year the way I like Lawrence. Uh, Najee Harris, you know, I I was pumped about him before he went to the Steelers, and I'm more pumped now. I think he's going to get big work. Uh, Waddle, I love the landing spot in Miami. I think that's a good piece for Tua to show what he's got, and it's going to be a good spot for him, um, especially with Fuller on the other side of the field, uh, taking attention away from him when he's off suspension. Uh, Pitts went to Atlanta and you know you talked about it in the news segment if Ridley and Julio are both still there they are taking a lot of defensive attention and they're opening the field up and they're giving this guy a chance to get the ball in his hands and make plays the change that I made is Devonta Smith Um, he's in line to be the Eagles wide receiver one without competition. And, you know, it pains me to say it. I just made a bet last week about, uh, who was throwing more, more passing touchdowns. Right. And, uh, Craig took Jalen hurts, but there's just no one else to throw the ball to. And he's a great player. So the one I went away from was, uh, Jamar chase. And it's just kind of the opposite situation. I think he's going to be in line for work. I just talked about uh, T. Higgins and Boyd in the wide receiver loser section. But 
they're still there. They're still taking targets away. Um, they've had an extra year already with Burrow. So, yeah, I think I think just because of the situation, Chase's upside is capped a little bit uh, because the ball will be spread out and Smith's might be bumped up a little bit because the only place to spread it is either to his right hand or his left hand when he's making, you know, highlight reel grabs. Um, I did throw a couple guys down that could surprise. Uh, you mentioned him, Javante Williams, going to Denver. He's a good back, and he's going to get some work. And if there's an injury to Melvin Gordon, he could step into a big role. And uh, Michael Carter, who, uh, you know, the other North Carolina running back, he ended up with the Jets, and, you know, he's he's in line for a big workload. I just don't know how valuable those touches are going to be. Um, and then same with uh, with Equimenius St. Brown's brother, Amon Ross St. Brown. He went to the Lions, and all of a sudden he finds himself as Jared Goff's wide receiver one. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows, right? Yeah, mine kind of changed a little more. Last week I had uh, you know Trevor Lawrence, Najee, I had Pitts, and then I had the two receivers, Chase and Devonta Smith. And I don't think – I switched it up. So now I'm going with after I see everybody's home, my top five will be um, Trevor Lawrence still, Najee, and Pitts. But I took out the receivers and I threw in the other two quarterbacks I like, Fields and uh, Trey Lance. Uh, I even mentioned last week a bonus, whoever San Francisco takes third overall, and that was Trey Lance. So I think – you know, he they traded up to get him. Obviously, Fields was traded up for as well. I think both guys are going to get in the lineup early, and they're going to have big years because they can use their legs as well. So, uh, yeah, I think those are the five fantasy performers I'm most excited about. I like it. And uh, we had Tyler right in. We didn't let him off the hook, so we had him right in with his picks. He said Jalen Waddell, Najee Harris, Jamar Chase, Trevor Lawrence, and then Devonta Smith. So he went pretty heavy on the wide receivers here. Uh, he said Joe Burrow could take some time coming back from injury, which devalues Chase a bit. Tua is underrated, so Tyler's a Tua believer, and uh, he thinks that Jalen Waddle is going to be his key to uh, his coming out party. Najee falls to a good team who will build a run game around him. Smith goes to a dysfunctional team in Philly, which bumps Lawrence's <laughs> value up, so that's why he had Smith at the end and Lawrence at number four. And uh, a side note, he says the rookie whose value was hurt most was Travis Etienne going to Jacksonville where they just had a great year from their running back from James Robinson will hurt his value. And I agree. Like if Etienne went to almost any other team, he could be, you know, just like Harris in line for a big workload. Um, and instead, who knows? It could be or it could be a, could be a split or who knows, right? Yeah, that's a lot of question marks with that team and that offense. And it was, you know, I know we were trying to end the, the episode here, but it was really interesting. And I wonder if this is going to be a trend moving forward, watching players reunite in the pros. We had Chase and Burrow and Etienne and Lawrence and Hertz and Smith and Waddell and Tua. I wonder if this is going to be something we see moving forward. Yeah, well, you know, it worked for uh, it worked for Washington with Haskins and McLaurin, right? Ooh. <laughs> well it did kind of worked for mclaurin i guess fantasy wise but... <laughs> i guess yeah that's right anyways falcon maniacs what about you we want to hear from you we want to know who is that one rookie that you already can't wait to draft in every league who are you going to reach way too high for just in case you've got the next saquon or the next justin herbert or the next justin jefferson let us know falcon maniacs reach out to us send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail using the link in the show description. We love hearing from you. And uh, remember, please listen, uh, or sorry, remember, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Falcomaniacs 
And if you're enjoying the show, help us out by sharing or recommending us to your friends, to your family, to your league mates, uh, your co-workers, whoever. We'd appreciate it. And uh, before we go, you know, I I know Friday nights have changed in our household, Jeff, and I know they have in yours as well. We've got a new, it's like TGIF all over again. We have a must-see yeah, show. I love it. Um, so a reminder to you listeners, if you haven't checked out the new show, The Barbarian and the Troll, you need to. Our loyal listener and contributor, Tyler Walzak, he's worked alongside some amazing people on creating this show, and it's a winner we're episode six coming up this week. If you're looking for something on Friday nights that you and your kids can enjoy equally, quest no further. Barbarian and the Troll is it. It is dynamite. Check it out. 7.30 on Friday nights. YTV in Canada or Nickelodeon down in the States. You won't regret it. That's it, friends. And thanks so much for listening. You know, Have a great week. And remember to set your Falcon lineups. <laughs>